This is Friends After 5, a podcast featuring two co-workers who will hop on this podcast after 5 as friends. We share our experiences as third culture kids while highlighting voices amongst our fellow Asians and people of color. Tina, welcome back to another episode of Friends After Five. And guess what? Our podcast went live last month. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh. I think when when we were working on the podcast, at least for me, I just really wanted to focus on the process and I wanted to focus on what we were working on, not really focus on the reception that we would get obviously we had an audience in mind but I think for both of us we wanted to make sure that it was something that spoke to both of us and something that we were both really passionate about yeah I feel like when I was writing what or when I was thinking about what I wanted to share I was thinking about it in the sense that no one was ever going to listen to it. <laughs> so like, especially awesome. for this week's episode, I was like, okay, like we have like a few listeners now. So maybe I shouldn't treat this like my therapy session and like put it all out there. <laughs> you know, that's one of the feedback that I do get from people is that they're just like, you guys are so brave for detailing your whole lives and blah, blah, blah. But I'm yeah. Brave I just... For a reason. <laughs> No, I just like that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when we're just like recording in our rooms, we don't really think that people are going to listen to this. It's just, oh, we're just chatting in our room and consoling and confiding in one another. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, we are doing it and we're recording it to obviously share it with an audience. So to receive the reception that we've been getting, it's been really, really, really really nice and heartwarming and I think it just makes us want to work harder to put out more episodes and be able to share content that is relatable to anyone to everyone I know that some of you have even said that it's helped you and your lives and I think that's something that Steph and I like did not think about whatever happened so we just really want to thank anyone or everyone who's been reaching out to us and sharing with us that they've been enjoying the podcast. Yeah, it's been really surprising, I think, um, the reception that we've got and just like people that we haven't talked to in mm-hmm. years. Definitely. Like, and it's yeah. so awesome to like feel that kind of support and it's so unexpected too, but we love it and we really appreciate it and yeah. just wanted to reiterate what Tina said. Yes, I know. I'm surprised at all the people who have been reaching out because sometimes I'm like, we haven't talked since high school. Like, you remember who I am and you actually listen? That's just so, so sweet. So, again, we just want to thank everyone for your support and love and we give it back ten, tenfold. Yeah, Wonderful. good vibes only. Yeah. Okay, Steph, so do you have any updates for this week? Okay, I just have two updates, nothing much, so... Just wanted to talk about my big bear trip that I went on last weekend with my boyfriend's family. Oh, another cabin trip. <laughs> we all remember how the last one went. <laughs> no one got salty. That person being me. 
I mean, um, it usually is, but that's okay. We're, I mean, we're working on ourselves. We are. We are. Yeah. I mean, everything went well, except for this one incident where I already told Tina, but I did get a little bit mad because they were playing bingo and I didn't want to play. And all of a sudden I had looked over and the group changed. It was like all the kids playing this different game that I wanted to play. And I walked over to my boyfriend and I was like, you know, I want to play. Why didn't you invite me over? And I had to stop myself, take a few breaths. um, And it ended up being okay. And my therapist said that she's not surprised that it happened because like it obviously triggered things that had triggered me in the past. And also, she also said that when you're the odd man out in the situation, you notice like little things like you notice when you're like left out, like when you're the only person that's different, like you notice totally, yeah, you're like being left behind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I like that your boyfriend took into account your concerns from the last trip and he improved he worked on it he made sure you were included except for that one game which you know people we're human (laughs) yeah it was like a spontaneous change and then so I guess he didn't know before he was going to go over that they were going to switch games and the groups Mm -hmm. were going to change so I can't really fault him that much (laughs) 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 yeah but I'm really happy that after I expressed my concern things have changed for the better now and my second update is just that I've been reading more which I've been super happy about really I feel like you're reading all the time based on your goodreads updates <laughs> I love oh, goodreads today it's another like 10,000 books no. <laughs> my goal this year is 25 books so we will see if I get there I think yeah. you will you read like all the time I try <laughs> I try I like actually read during lunch now because social distancing (laughs) wow I take naps during lunch just for during lunch though not doing workouts (laughs) sure Tina you don't gotta worry about that I work though yeah nobody has to check up on her she's good (laughs) in fact just make sure to check up with her after five she might still be working and you know Exactly. The day got away from her. She's like yeah. too excited. Yeah. I'm well rested. I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Anyways, those are my two quick updates. How's your week been, Tina? My week's been well. I told you this already, but I did get COVID, what, three months ago. So out of the kindness of my heart, I decided to go and donate my plasma for people who have COVID and may not be able to fight it off as well. And when I made the appointment, they did, I made the appointment with Red Cross just in case anyone is interested in also donating either blood or plasma or whatnot. It's definitely worth it because you are saving lives. Then you can end, pause the podcast here and forward a few minutes because, um, so the, the appointment does take about two to three hours. They do tell you that. And I was talking to my NP friend about it and she kept saying, oh my God, that's so sweet. But just letting you know, the needle is really, really big. And she tells me this multiple times leading up to my appointment. And I'm just like, I mean, she did give you a heads up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know she was trying to be considerate and just let me know, oh yeah, the needle is really fat. It's a thick needle. (laughs) And I was like, okay, thanks for letting me know. So for me, when I know I'm, 
when I know there's a needle that's going to be injected into me, I never look at it. I just, I just don't want to look at it. So I have I didn't to look at it so I can know what to expect in what? terms of pain. I'm, yeah, I'm the complete opposite. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Yeah, so there at the Red Cross Center that I went to, they do have movies and Netflix for you to watch because um, you are injected with two needles, one in each arm. So one is collecting the blood um, and the plasma, and then the other needle is actually, it's it's giving you your blood back. So you can't really do anything. You're just literally lying there with both your arms um, motionless. All you really can do is watch movies. You can't really play on your phone or do anything else. So I think I watched The Farewell. Did you, have you seen that? Wait, well, yeah. The one yeah. with Aquafina. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one oh with my gosh, that's such a good yeah. movie. I watched it with my mom and sister, I think, in theaters. And I felt like it was really relatable, like in terms of like their experience, like going back to like the motherland and like how, I don't know, like how she, and like the way she spoke Mandarin, at least like in terms of like, to me, I was like, that's totally how I would speak it. (laughs) Dude, yeah. I don't speak Mandarin. I'm Vietnamese. So I don't, you know, obviously I can't tell the difference, but I, I did hear her Mandarin is trash. No offense, Aquafina. <laughs> it's like very white, you know, very American, very... Yeah, it's like probably very Americanized, like... <laughs> yeah, it's not the best. But, you know, obviously props to her for... Yeah, trying. being like an actor and like, you know, having to yeah. play out those tough scenes. Yeah, I, mean, totally. I can't believe you watched like such like a sad movie while you're okay. getting blood. I would have like probably wanted to watch like a happy movie. <laughs> I mean, I it's a movie that I've been wanting to watch. So yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was like really good and really well done. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Had I like the like I don't know. I liked like the third culture aspect of it. How like mm-hmm. you could tell like she was like you know like this is my home, but it's like also foreign. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. And how they were having these expectations on her to get married yeah. and all of that. And she's probably like what our age or younger and we're in like that marriage is such a far off yeah. mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. So I was watching that. Maybe that's why I was just like, it was like extra painful. It's like watching a painful movie yeah. and then like doing this like painful blood drop. I know maybe not the best decision I could have made. Yeah, so, but I mean, now yeah, I our mean, listeners know not to choose a sad movie. Yes, when you go, don't choose a sad movie. Try to choose a happier movie. Um, so when she first injected the needle, yeah, it, it was pretty painful. I'm not gonna lie. I had to do it twice, right? One for each arm. And then it was just, even though I was watching the movie, half of my mind was just like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> like, it was, I mean, obviously, I'm really glad I did it. And I would do it again, possibly. But it was, it was a little tough. But I, I do recommend it for anyone who is thinking about giving plasma. Because you are making a difference and you are helping to save you some really lives. Are. It's really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, mentioned as much since the vaccine is out. It's not. Yeah. And it's like crazy that they don't compensate you for it or anything. um, And it's not advertised. But I know like from a personal experience, like someone close to me, like plasma was the only thing that was able to save them. So it definitely makes a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. And it's for those people that, you know, we were donating for. There, There are centers where you can donate plasma for money 
So I don't know of, of any, but I do know okay. those places got exist. It, got it. So that's okay. something that you're interested in as well. But I just went to the Red Cross and yeah, for free because, you know, that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> I'm doing silent claps for the <laughs> I can't see the feet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So then I think that wraps up the updates for today. Um, so for today's episode, we felt Steph and I felt a responsibility to talk about a more serious and pressing issue that is currently plaguing our fellow Asian Americans. It's the increase in Asian hate crimes since especially COVID-19. We'll talk about the history and origins behind the Asian American discrimination and how that's formed the basis for the racism and stereotypes that are still perpetuated today. Then to end it on a more lighthearted segment, we'll discuss our favorite Asian American celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so according to this article I found on LinkedIn, authored by Chloe Shi and edited by Alfred Lamb, When COVID hit, we've had almost 3,000 anti-Asian attacks reported until December. 7% of the involved victims were elderly, and since COVID-19 started, there's been a 1,900% increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans. And the worst part is none of this makes headlines. People think that Asian voices don't matter, and many hate crimes against Asian communities go unreported. Those that do go reported don't get classified as hate crimes. I just think that's so heartbreaking and terrifying. Yeah, I, you know, as Asian Americans ourselves, this is definitely an issue that we feel passionate about. And that's why we wanted to raise more awareness about it on today's episode. It's, it is really sad to see that this is still happening. Um, and just just to name some examples of the hate crimes that have been perpetrated. For example, an 84-year-old Thai immigrant in San Francisco, California, actually passed away last month after being violently shoved to the ground during his morning walk. Another example, in Oakland, a 91-year-old senior was shoved to the pavement from behind. I think I actually did see the footage of this, and it's just it's just so disgusting. Um, an 89-year-old Chinese woman was slapped and then set on fire by two people in Brooklyn, New York. And a stranger on the New York subway slashed a 61-year-old Filipino-American passenger's face with a box cutter. So those are just a few of the examples of all the hate crimes that have been recently committed against Asian Americans. And obviously there's no excuse for it. It's disgusting. It's just racism. It's just blatant racism at you know, facing its ugly head again during these times. Um, Unfortunately, it is happening all across the U.S., but I think from the research that I found, it's predominantly in California and New York City, just because those two states have more Asians that reside there. Um, In New York, there apparently is an 867% increase since 2020 in Asian hate crimes, And according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism, anti-Asian hate incidents have increased by 1,200% just in Orange County, where 20% of the population is Asian. And as many of you know, Steph and I are actually from Orange County, so that is a really scary statistic to to see. Yeah. Um, Have you seen anything yourself personally, Steph? Yeah. I mean, I would just like to say that I'm pretty surprised 
that New York and California are kind of being hit the hardest, especially because I lived in the Bay Area for five years. And I just really loved being there because as someone who's been in Orange, pretty much Southern Orange County their whole life, going to the Bay Area, I was so like immersed with so much different cultures and like the vibrant communities and just all these like different types of foods. So it's just pretty surprising that and sad that like Chinatown, you know, in that in the Bay Area is being targeted almost. And it's like someplace that I frequented when I was in school there and when I lived there as well. Right. I feel like a place that used to consider home or even a safe haven is no longer as safe or as it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, exactly. It's like I when I got there, I was like, wow, everyone is so progressive. This is so awesome. I can finally like love myself for who I am, which is like Asian American. And like mm-hmm. people think it's cool here. And to read like all these headlines, it's just like none of that was true. Right. It seems like we're reverting back or maybe we never really progressed. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a reality like check in a way. But um, just like speaking about what you're saying about Orange County, which is where we live, have you heard about the Ladera Ranch attack? Is that the family where the teenagers were mm-hmm. repeatedly harassing the, the family? Yeah. And then their neighbors actually set up a neighborhood watch to to kind of be a security force against those teenagers. Yeah. It's just like so insane. Because like, number one, like, where are the parents? And like, I'm just wondering, like, did the parents, like, pass down the hate, which they probably did? Mm -hmm. And number two, like, where are the frickin' cops? Yeah. Like, literally, we have so many cops in this area. I don't see them doing anything. And I'm sure, like, some of them probably do. But it's, like, I'm sure they're probably turning a blind eye. This is not, like, a problem for them. Like, maybe they're, like, proud of the kids for doing this. But it just seems, like, ridiculous that, like, nobody cares but I am very happy that the neighbors stepped in to help yeah I totally agree I think that is part of the problem is that even with this increase in Asian hate crimes a lot of it like you said is you know cops are turning a blind eye to it I think a lot of it stems due to racism again that is the whole reason why this is happening Um, and that's just really sad to see I think especially from last summer with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, when we were protesting for Black Lives Matter together, it's just sad to see that the the racism is still existing today against our own people, which I don't think I ever really thought about, to be honest, at least oh, really? not, not on, not on, not on the scale of Black Lives Matter, not on, not the unfairness of African Americans versus Asian Americans. But I think with the new recent wave of anti-Asian crimes and how it's been not only underreported, but also just kind of swept under the rug by media and cops, it's a lot more eye-opening. Yeah. We have to care and be like the voice of like and educate like our friends who might not have read about it or heard about it. Because like who else is going to do it for us? Like not the media. Like not the president maybe the new president will but certainly not the last one (laughs) yeah oh definitely not and it's odd because a lot of the people who are affected are usually the elderly 
who and females who you know deemed to be weaker can't protect themselves and even then you know cops are not really protecting them so it's up to us uh, like the neighbors in at Ladera Ranch to really speak up and be a force to reckon with in terms yeah. of security unfortunately yeah and I think a lot of this as we said again it's happening just a lot of a lot of it's due to anti-Asian racism I think the recent surge is mostly due to COVID the COVID-19 rhetoric that was disseminated from the past Trump administration but even on a deeper level this has stemmed far longer than just Trump and his administration. This has stemmed from a decades-long issue steeped in racism, and it's due to the exclusion of the Asian American minority as a cultural identity. We are absent and invisible from the cultural conversations and media representation, essentially. And I think this is due to America's racist history that started with the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act, which banned Chinese immigrants from entering the country. And then that eventually expanded to the Immigration Act of 1917 that banned immigrants from Asia and the Pacific Islands. Yeah. I would just like to go back to, um, like, touch base on what you said before about how, like, these problems, like, came from racism from, like, our past and America's history. But I just think it's interesting, and this is something I thought about, is like at the start of COVID, what would have happened had COVID originated from a white country like the UK? Like, I'm sure this would not be happening, you know? Yes, that's a very good point. That's like literally my number one thought when it happened. And also like people shit on the wet markets, but like like sometimes the wet markets might be some people's like only way to access food like not everyone can access whole foods not everyone can have access to like a trader joe's or costco or target you know like sometimes they need to go to these wet markets because otherwise they're choosing death so it's like when people say like oh maybe they shouldn't have done that it's like why don't i think they need to consider like not everyone is fortunate enough to have access to Things like safe food. I know China definitely tried to ban those markets back after SARS. Yeah. I think it. But I mean, it's just. It's like a poverty problem. It's not. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's not people choosing to do this. It's because they have to. Right. Yeah. So that's something, yeah, we need to fix on a a deeper issue just because it is systemic and, like you said, due to poverty and you can't fix that in a day unfortunately yeah unfortunately and then yeah I also like wrote down for why it was happening which we also kind of touched on was like the last president's like rhetoric and just calling it the China virus or the kung fu virus and that was very dangerous because it made people think it was okay to make those kinds of assumptions and Asian Americans just became the scapegoat for violence Right, which is what we're seeing now, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I do know Biden did sign into law. Yeah, I saw that. That was like one of yeah. the first things he did, which was great. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much, like how hopeful I am that a piece of legislation is going to make like a ton of change. I think it's going to take like change makers and like, you know, people really putting it into action, which I guess we as like every day we like we can kind of do that on our own Mm -hmm. in our daily lives right and I do think if there is more awareness if people speak up more about it then there will be more legislation to change some of the the behavior that is occurring 
so that will just take more time more awareness more voices speaking up together from minor feelings the book that I read by Kathy Park Hong I just like wrote down a quote and she said that the most damaging legacy of the West has been its power to decide who our enemies are turning us not only against our own people like North and South Korea but turning me against myself and I just think that is very prevalent I guess it really applies to the situation because like we were talking about earlier, like the media doesn't really say anything about Asian Americans, basically gaslights us. And it's kind of made me feel like I'm not enough at times. Mm -hmm. Because you don't feel represented by the media or at all? What just makes me feel like we've been here like doing all the right things, like being as like quote unquote American as we can be, but yet this is still how we're treated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely hard. And I think now with more people with, you know, social media, with more younger people and with ways to connect, there's more reason to hope for change. And we just have to make sure we elect the right people to affect and enact those changes hopefully that we'll you know keep going on right <laughs> yeah path. I guess just like get involved and like speak up and just stop you know accepting things as they are like don't accept mm-hmm. the status quo mm-hmm. you know which yeah. is like easier said than done because like I think for a lot of people like me you know speaking from like a personal point of view too like I'm not used to like having to stand up for my views or like speak up for myself like that's kind of going back to I guess a model minority myth but it's like the expectation is that you put your head down and you work hard and you fit into this mold but at certain times like that's just not going to work right exactly I think especially for Asians the model minority myth that was actually created to pit us against other minorities especially other uh, marginalized groups such as people of color And unfortunately, I think it's kind of worked because Asian Americans were seen as kind of the golden minority, right? We're seen as the group of people who have become more successful than other minorities. And I think other groups might see us and think that we have an unfair advantage or that we're privileged, quote unquote, but that's really not the case because along with those expectations, that also comes with pressures in society that may affect us mentally, where, you know, we don't fit into this mold that has been created for us, like you said. But we try not to cause any problems or any issues. So we kind of just, you know, we just kind of let things slide and try to be invisible. So I think with that, when we do express our unhappiness in our situation or, you know, feeling mentally unwell, then we're gaslighted into thinking, what are you talking about? You're privileged. You shouldn't be feeling this way. Yeah. And nobody should tell us how to feel, right? That's our, you know, we're we're obliged to feel how we feel. So I think the fact that society tells us one thing, but we don't actually feel like that makes us feel inadequate or that we're doing something wrong. Yeah, it makes us, yeah, it definitely is like a form of oppression. Definitely. And it erases, I think, so many parts of our culture and our identity because, like, when you look at people from Asia, like, you know, like, not everyone in Asia, like, 
studies really hard and it's like super quiet and it's like why is that idea put on all Asians here like it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. right it's a stereotype that we just need to eliminate and obviously Asia you know encompasses so many different countries we're so different you're half Korean half Taiwanese I'm pretty much you know, Vietnamese slash Chinese, and our cultures are so different. It's, there's not many, there's very few similarities. Yeah. Just oh, we're both Asian, but that doesn't mean that culturally we're the same. Similar, or the same, exactly. Yeah, or that we have, it's just so crazy. Do you think that's affected your childhood growing up? What do you, what do you mean has affected my childhood? Like the model minority myth? Oh, definitely. I think as an Asian female, I grew up in a very, very heavily Asian um, demographic. Mm-hmm. I think my high school, we were 90% Asian. We were 90% Vietnamese, I think, not even just Asian. We were like all Vietnamese. When you went into a classroom, everyone's hair was black because we were pretty much all Vietnamese. And I think there was definitely an expectation there, not just for me, but obviously amongst all my classmates to do well and excel in school because that's just what you do in an Asian household. Um, so that was pretty difficult. I know in high school, I didn't really have much of a life outside of high school just because the goal, you know, your number one priority <laughs> in life college. was... Yeah. Well, yeah, it was to get into a good college. Yeah. Pretty much all your energy was used up for that. So you had to study a lot and also make sure you were in a lot of extracurriculars to make sure you could pad up that that um, high school resume to secure your spot in a good college. And the sad thing is that even once you get there, sometimes it feels like it's still not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, actually, I did read a statistic as well that um, amongst Asian American college students, they actually have the have higher rates of suicide because they feel like they cannot live up to expectations. And I do want to note that I believe sometime during my college career, there was actually a student that did commit suicide on our campus. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but I do recall either a sophomore or junior senior year that there was a report of a student jumping off of a parking structure, but it was a little traumatizing, to be honest. Um, I think we found out that it was due to, you know, bad grades or not good enough grades or something like that. But to think that grades, you know, could make you want to commit suicide is just really, really sad. And again, I think it stems back to that expectation that's set upon us. Uh, to do well in school and to succeed academically and also socioeconomically. Yeah, because like grades are not a reflection of who you are. And I think... Can you can you say that louder for the people in the back, Steph? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grades are not a reflection of who you are. Like, I think, I don't know. It just really saddens me to hear that because I know personally I struggled a lot with my grades in college. Same. Yeah. Like, I just did terrible on almost everything (laughs) but I mean I'm an awesome person so obviously it's not a reflection of me (laughs) but I understand yeah like the pressures that are sometimes placed like whether it be like from family like from the school like if you're on a scholarship it's like rough but I think 
like another thing I'm coming to realize is that like a good school doesn't necessarily mean like you're gonna have like a good life like it's like so many factors it's about like connections so it's like just one part of your life not going the way you want it to it doesn't mean like your whole life is you know going to flames right which is easier said than done and like obviously we've had some perspective we're out of school now but thank god yeah I mean I love school but you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like school. I liked school when I was younger. I mean, I'm sure everyone did because it was like super no. easy and like in high school. But like, I don't know. It was like fun or it was not funny. But like people would just be like, oh, you're like, you got all A's. Like, that's not because you're smart. It's because you're Asian. And I was like, that's like literally like not true because I study more than you. And I right. put in more work, you know, like <laughs> I'm here longer. So like, shut up. <laughs> but I don't know. It just sucks. Like how like this kind of can manifest and hurt people like it hurts real people like these kind of like quote-unquote harmless ideas is like very like detrimental totally yeah and then the people aren't giving you credit or they're not even seeing you as a human they're seeing you as a race and we're more than just our race obviously I do remember in Portland when I was visiting Portland a few years back um, I was with my friends and we're a bunch of Asian people just to <laughs> preface it. Yeah. And then we, there was a white man that approached us. And for some reason we were all anticipating, we were all anticipating some kind of racist comment. And at the time, I think we saw it as a good comment, but now looking back, I don't think it was. Um, he basically said, Oh, you guys are Asians. You're the only group that's, that doesn't cause problems. Or something like that. And I think at the time we were like, oh, wow, we thought he was going to say something super nasty. And we were like, oh, that was a good comment. But now looking back, it was kind of like, not That's a great terrible. comment. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, I guess there, there are definitely worse things that he could have said for sure. But I mean, like, I don't know, like, what was that supposed to do? Be like, oh, this white guy said it to me once. So now I'm never going to cause problems or like make waves or make a difference. Like, that is literally so (laughs) crazy. I don't know. That sucks. I can't believe that happened. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. And I think we were just so naive that we were just like, oh, what a nice guy, you know, like, kind of thing or at least that's what I thought I was very naive at the time but I'm sure like he probably meant it and like I don't know like I'm sure like his like white man like you know like he in his mind he was like I'm gonna say this and it's like what I think and they're gonna be happy to hear it because I don't know he probably thinks it's a good way in some kind of fucked up way but clearly it's like so problematic and it's like sometimes when stuff like that happens I'm like I don't know like is the right thing to do like I guess it depends on, like, what type of person it is, right? If it's, like, a person carrying a gun, you don't want to say anything, you know, back. Right. But it's, like, someone you could outrun, maybe. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you can outrun them. I couldn't. <laughs> Tina, that's why you guys are running with me again. So we can, um, so we can tell people next, off and not be um, scared. Next segment. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, there are so many ways to help out. So... Um, as we said earlier, we have to definitely use our voices and it's the only way to change the narrative that's being spoken about right now. So we got we have to make sure people are aware there is a problem and an issue. I mean, honestly, before this recent upsurge in Asian 
anti-Asian hate crimes, I wasn't as aware that there was as much of an issue. We need to make sure that we're seen and heard so that we can make sure to change the narrative and make sure that we're being seen and visible in media representation, as well as just in the cultural conversations that are happening. Another way to help out is to just report any hate crimes that you are seeing. There is a nonprofit called Stop AAPI Hate, and it's a really easy way to report any hate crimes that you're seeing. The hate crimes are definitely underreported. Even though the increase in Asian hate crimes have increased exponentially, we know that definitely there are more hate crimes being committed that aren't be being reported. So definitely use that as a resource. And then another way to also help out is volunteering to maybe chaperone an elderly Asian American. We did kind of discuss that earlier with the Ladera Ranch situation. There is a nonprofit called Compassion in Oakland where you can volunteer to chaperone Asian American elderly to help them. Yeah. And I believe that was started by Jacob Aveto, who is Hispanic. Shout out. Awesome. We love and you, Jacob. He just like tweeted that he believes that all minority groups need to stand against Asian American hate. And he wanted to start volunteering to escort elderly Asian Americans. And since then, I think a bunch, um, it says here like up to 300 active volunteers have signed up. So that's really great to hear. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I mean, if we lived closer to Oakland, I would be all over that. Yeah, but it's same. And you can get your steps in. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Asian people, elderly are so wise. Like, come on, you'd definitely be learning a lot <laughs> as well. Yeah, and then just other resources to look into. I have hateisavirus.org, advancingjustice-aajc.org. So these are just more nonprofits spreading more love, not hate. Um, there's campaigns I think that they have where um, they're just advocating against racism. We just need yeah. to end racism and 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 in general just to prevent all these hate crimes from occurring, not just against a Asians, um, but just in general. Yeah, it's just I agree. Vile and disgusting. We don't need that in our lives. I mean, COVID nineteen has already ravaged our lives enough. We don't need more hate. So hopefully with more people being aware of this issue and everyone using their voices to speak up, to change the narrative, then we can ultimately affect change in order to change the situation. And my list, first and foremost, everyone listen to this podcast to support two Asian American girls, me and Tina. <laughs> and secondly, I guess just like don't gaslight us because it sucks when like, we're trying to like explain something and it's not taken seriously and like clearly it's not like you know an oppression olympics like this is not a competition but it's just important to like recognize that these things are happening so just like trying to look up like getting yourself educated like looking up links like looking up resources like that's all great and then like my last thing it's just like stop with the Asian jokes, like stop with the little like comments, like stop with the no offense, but like blah, 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 you know, like that's really not helpful and we don't need that in 2021. I think I've like personally stayed silent a lot of times when that has happened around me 
and it makes me feel really shitty about it now but obviously now I know better and I never found them funny they're still not funny and it's like I don't know I think we should like try to be better as a society like if someone cuts you off like oh like that sucks you know that person's having a horrible day but don't be like oh that Asian person sucks at driving or like oh just like throwing race in it because they're like a fine person as like whatever race they are but like maybe they just did like a horrible thing you know like we don't need to associate race into like every horrible thing that happens to us yes I definitely agree we're not just our race as I think I said earlier we are more than that yeah and it's important like I catch myself doing this too like all the time but like I mainly do it like when it's a white person that cuts me off but it's like (laughs) I shouldn't be doing that either like I'm you know also the problem (laughs) so I'm just gonna be like yeah that really rude person cut me off you know leave race out of it just just try to I don't know be positive and don't as don't bring race in when it doesn't need to be brought in and I wrote down as available resources, I found Asian Law Caucus, and it focuses on housing rights, immigration, civil rights, labor rights, and other issues. Um, and also Oakland Vietnamese Center. It actually burned down, well, I think 30% of it burned down on February 6th, not to do anything intentional, I don't think. I think there was like a homeless fire nearby and part of the building got burned down. But what they do is they deliver um, 30,000 meals per month for 2,500 clients who are mostly elders. And it's like all Asian American elders. Um, So I think what they do is really cool. So it's definitely, Mm -hmm. if you can help out, donate, that would be nice. Um, And then I do want to kind of close it off with this quote from Also Minor Feelings, which is the book that staff mentioned earlier it is by Kathy Park Hong Kathy Park Hong yes so there was a quote that I think really resonated with me and I just want to repeat that in the episode today so it starts off the indignity of being Asian in this country has been underreported we have been cowed by the lie that we have it good we keep our heads down and work hard believing that our diligence will reward us with our dignity but our diligence will only make us disappear by not speaking up We perpetuate the myth that our shame is caused by our repressive culture and the country we fled, whereas America has given us nothing but opportunity. The lie that Asians have it good is so insidious that even now as I write, I'm shadowed by doubt that I didn't have it bad compared to others. End quote. That's a good quote. Yeah, I think that summarizes exactly what we were trying to convey on this episode in terms of being Asian American, being gaslighted into thinking we're privileged because we may have it, you know, we may be more successful, quote unquote, socioeconomically than other groups. But really, that's just a stereotype and an expectation that is unfairly put upon us. I mean, we're all different people. Like Steph said, we're, you know, just because we're Asian doesn't mean we're automatically smart or you know, we're automatically going to be more successful or we're automatically not leaders or submissive because we're all people, we're all different. Yeah. It's it's just so reductive to think those thoughts about anyways, not just Asian. So hopefully, as Steph mentioned, we stop inputting race into our thought processes and narratives and we and we look forward and we can be more open-minded and just like, 
mm-hmm. less judgmental. Totally. And, yeah, just more accepting of people as they are. I think that's one of the huge issues is that we always try to put people in boxes, but like people aren't meant to be put in boxes. Like, you know, we're so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, we just need to see each other as people and not as some kind of persona that we've created in our heads that yeah. might be true just based off of generalizations or stereotypes. I agree. And I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And I'm hopeful things will get better. I think if we all work together, they definitely will. So let's move on to our next topic, something a little bit lighter, media representation. So when I was little, it sucked. I remember the only people (laughs) I could relate to were the people in books. And even that was a stretch. I was like, oh, they have dark hair and their parents are strict. The character has to be Asian. Yeah. Sorry, I was drinking water. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think as a kid, I remembered playing pretty much just with Barbies, which, you know, is just this white girl. And that's all I saw. I don't think I even knew I was Asian until I was older, just because all I saw around me were white kids, or I was always playing with, you know, white toys. I'd never the only Asian doll I had was the Mulan doll, which is same. I had the Mulan Barbie too. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sucks because I even remember, like, this is like so sad, but I remember like the Mulan Barbie. I was like, yeah, she's like less, she's like not as good as the other Barbies, like oh. when I was younger. But it's like, I think that happens to a lot of people of color. Like, I don't think that's mm-hmm. just my experience. And I know, like, when I have kids, I definitely want to, like, you know, give them all, like, like, give them dolls that, like, represent what they look like. And, like, yeah. You know, like, I'm hopeful that they'll be, like, more representative of just, like, different shapes, too. Like, not everyone is, like, a size zero and, like, whatever, 5'11". Like, that's not accurate. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And it's sad, but I don't know, as parents, I don't know if that's something you think about, especially, you know, back in that time and age. It's like they didn't have the choices. Yeah, it's exactly. the thing. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure my parents like would have gave me like Asian dolls. Like had we had the choice, but it's like that's not what Toys R Us stocked. And it's yeah, you know, hopefully things get better. But and it's like even if they don't, like I definitely. So I like I am obsessed with Etsy, and I'm on it all day. <laughs> like I just browse it for fun sometimes. But they have like things that are really cool, like things that are like you know like different books like written by people of color that you know reflect different narratives and they have like different dolls like different playthings like you know for girls and guys and it's like things that are more gender inclusive and like things that I don't know are just different and I think that might be where our society is heading just like hopefully yeah okay I didn't know that about Etsy I just knew they were arts and crafty but yeah, you gotta, you know, you kind of have to look for it. But I feel like if you, I don't know, anything you think of, if you look for it, it's probably there. True. Yeah, <laughs> especially with the internet nowadays. So I think as a child, I didn't really see myself growing up. I think that's why I kind of did venture off into um, not Asian American representation, but more Asian. So I would watch a lot of K-dramas when I was in high school. I did grow up also watching Chinese dramas with my parents, and it was dubbed in Vietnamese. So I think that was how I was able to see more of myself in in media representation, even though it wasn't American media. It was still helpful to see people that look like me. 
in a different uh, in a different format. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think the only thing I did is I used to, I used to watch like cartoons or like not even cartoons. I wouldn't even know what they're called, but just like things. But they were all in Mandarin with my family, and it's like what my parents grew up watching, and we would watch it as a family. And there was like a whole storyline, and be like really cute. And it did help with my Mandarin, too, so I felt like it was, like, a double whammy. It was, like, oh, cool, I'm, like, watching TV, but I'm also, like, improving my comprehension. But I think when I grew up, like, my parents didn't believe in cable TV because they, um, like, wanted my sister and I to read, and they thought it was a waste of money, oh. <laughs> of course, um, which I am grateful for because I love reading now, and I've watched too much TV. But I think once I had access to my laptop, I would try to, like, watch shows that everyone else was watching just to, like, catch up. And, yeah, I didn't see anyone like me. And it it didn't really phase me because I was just like, this is, like, the norm. But now, like, it kind of pisses me off. Like, because thinking back, I'm like, imagine, like, how different my life could have been had I seen people like me. Just, like, having more confidence and feeling seen. Oh, I was just going to say, I think you have a lot of confidence, Steph, so <laughs> <laughs> I think you're great the way you are now. Thanks, so. Gina. You yeah. are too sweet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I truly mean that, by the way, because sometimes I ask you questions and you're just like, what? Like, why would you ever think that? <laughs> <laughs> I have like random like spurts of confidence in certain like, I don't know no it's not random I remember I was asking you like oh do you ever get nervous going on dates and you're just like you gave me like the most like incredulous look like what no bitch like I would never get nervous on a date like they're lucky to meet me and I was just like oh shit okay like I stand corrected <laughs> yeah so that, it's like those moments where I'm like dang I wish I could be more like Steph and have that oh, like ownership <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you saw more of yourself, you'd be, I don't even know who I'd you'd be. President, be. No, I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. So list your favorite TV show, movie, comedian. But only list one. Okay. So I don't really have a movie or show because are we doing like Asian American media or just like Asian? Asian American. Oh, no, you can do Asian. Okay. So, like, I had an... I only had a specific actor in mind, even though I've never watched anything that he's in. Okay. <laughs> but my one of my favorite Asian-American celebrities is Steven Yoon. Do you know him? He's the Korean actor in The Walking Dead is what he's mostly known for. Ooh, Steven Yoon. Yeah, he's also in Minari, which is the new film that I think was just oh, released. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch that too. But I really, really, Ooh, really, really he's love good him. Looking. Yeah, he's good looking, right? I really like him because he actually was on a guest on Conan's show, and I just fell in love with his personality, his humor, his looks. Obviously, I I don't even know what his acting skills are like because I don't think I've seen a movie with him in it. But I just love the fact that he is representing. Korean Americans as well as you know Asian Americans and he's just killing it right now love that he's like my definitely a celebrity crush of mine <laughs> so you know any if anyone knows any men like Steven Yoon you know just give him my IG <laughs> <laughs> what about you Steph do you have any uh, you know favorite shows or movies or celebrities yeah um so I guess 
I think, okay, so I wrote down two shows because one of them, so mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls, because I love, like, the role that Lane plays oh, in right. it. And I when I heard her on, um, yeah, the Feeling Asian podcast, I just thought it was so cool. Like, she was so ahead of her time. Like, literally, like, one of the first, like, you know, like, main Asian characters in, like, a popular TV show. And it's just, I don't know. I like the role that she plays, and her mom is, like, super strict and Christian, and, like, my family's also strict and Christian, so I can kind of relate in that way. And then also another show, I would say, with, like, and mostly Asian cast is Kim's Convenience, and it's, I think it's a show, like, based in Toronto. Yeah. And my family watched it. We watched it separately, but they said, I think it's, like, very relatable to us, because, like, you know, they're just, like, a middle-class family, and my parents also came from Toronto, so they could <laughs> understand, like, a few of the references that the show threw in. And I think in the show, like, they were also Christian and strict, so, you know, yeah. I can relate. Yeah, I've heard about that one, but I never actually watched it, so maybe I should start watching it now. I like it. I like it a lot. And they, like, okay. feature food sometimes, too, so that's, like, always a <laughs> plus. Yes, yes, definitely. No, Tina loves her Korean food. <laughs> a korean man too apparently yeah there you go and then okay so favorite movie i would like to say to all the boys i've loved just because <gasps> oh my god same okay that's my answer too okay How can I i'm an idiot duh yeah <laughs> right it's so cute like i think everything about it is so cute and also like the um Laura Jean and Peter like they kind of remind me of like me and my boyfriend wow Just, like, <laughs> that's like I mean, a dream I mean it's like the first time I'm like even looks wise I was like we could totally go as them for Halloween and people would understand it and not like oh my confused. gosh you guys totally should oh my right? gosh okay I'm glad I'm not like being crazy and no, then my favorite comedian is Ali Wong. But that's yours too, right? Oh Did you God. say you liked her too? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. How did I forget Ali Wong? Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And she's been in Meats too. So it's like even she's more also, like. She's also like the same like mix as you, I think. Because she's half Chinese. Yeah. 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 I was just like, oh, yeah. She's definitely goals too. Her book sure. is and just. Yeah. yeah. She's. Dear she's Girls nice. is her book. And it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you let me borrow it. It was amazing. Um. Yeah, so I guess what we're just hoping to see is more representation. I think our population is getting more diverse and less homogenous, and it's important that the media reflects that. I'm really hopeful that my future children will see people on the screen that look like them and feel like they can mm-hmm. do anything. Clearly, we can all do anything Yay. we set our minds to. But it's hard when the media and society is constantly telling you that you can't. Mm-hmm. right and I just will yeah I'm just like happy that we got to talk about everything today and hopefully things get better yeah I love today's episode it was a little bit heavier but I think it was definitely needed and I've learned a lot on this issue I hope everyone has learned a lot as well we can all work together to start making some changes and like Steph said hopefully then our children won't be put in this position and they'll grow up to be the president a better president than we've had in the past (laughs) (laughs) yeah first female Asian president what a it's totally doable though there's so many of us we're so smart and like talented and like artistic Mm -hmm. we're all the things yes 
Okay, well, I think that wraps it up for this week's episode. Have a good week, guys. Yep, make sure to follow us at Friends After Five. Follow Tina at Tina Honey with two eyes, and follow me at Steph Christabel. Yes. Okay. Have bye. a great week.